At La Mesa RV, we love helping people discover new adventures in a Storyteller Overland. We offer the entire line of Storyteller Overland vans, classic, stealth, or beast. If you can't wait to get your hands on a Storyteller, give us a call at 800-496-8778 or check us out at LaMesaRV.com. We'll be glad to help get your name on a factory fresh unit. With nine stores across the country, La Mesa RV is a proud Storyteller Overland dealer where we help you find the adventure in life. Welcome to Stonation, a production of Park Media. This is episode number two. Before I introduce today's guest, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, share, and leave a five-star review. And if you find this podcast useful in any way and want to pay us the ultimate compliment, head on over to our Patreon page where you can subscribe to be a classic, stealth, or beast mode subscriber. Now that we have the housekeeping stuff out of the way, today's guest is Jason Sherm. Currently, Jason lives in Vegas and he was born in Arizona. He spent 17 years of his life in Asia, primarily Korea and Japan. By trade, Jason is a mechanical engineer, but works for PTC, a software company for engineers. Growing up, Jason lived in rural Arizona mining towns, so he loved off-roading and doing 4x4ing. In fact, his daily driver is a vintage 72 Toyota Land Cruiser. Jason also loves to go camping, hiking, rock hounding, and he loves cycling, but he's terrible at it. You can find Jason on Instagram at Zelda underscore Mode 4x4, and that's spelled Mode 4x4. And you can also find him on Facebook at Jason N. High N. Shern. And don't worry, I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can find him easily. And with that, please give a warm welcome to Jason Shern. Jason Shern, thanks for joining, joining, oh God, let me start over. Sure. (laughs) Okay, Jason Shern, thanks for joining Stone Nation today. I appreciate you being a guest. Sure, my pleasure. Let's just get right down to it. So you got a mode classic. So let's, let's talk about how you got that. Yeah, I, I, I lucked out big time in the sense Mm -hmm. that I think I'm the first person to buy a used mode and a so 2020 or a 2020 2020 okay a 2020 which i think again i think is the first time anybody had sold a storyteller used mm-hmm. and and so i really lucked out in that and uh it it was a van that was purchased in colorado and driven home to texas and then never taken anywhere they never went camping in it they never used the shower like all the plastic was still on everything. It was, it was still a brand new van. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my yeah. goodness. Wow. And really great family. I, I'm not sure exactly why they were selling it. I think, um, right after they bought it, uh, storyteller had announced, you know, the beast mode and some other things. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe they thought, Oh, you know, that would be a better fit for them. Mm-hmm. Regardless. I, I was, I was happy to, to yeah. get it when I did. And that was, uh, uh, May last year. So May of 2020, you know, I was, I didn't get a killer deal on it or anything. It was fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, the, the, where I got the killer deal is that Nevada, you know, I live in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Nevada is one of four States where there's no sales tax on private party automobile transactions. What? So I saved oh my goodness. a boatload of money Get out by of being town. able to buy it privately. And so, oh my goodness, I bet you, did, I bet you there's tons of people wishing that they bought you sure. so, listening to this podcast. I'm oh sure. my goodness. I had no idea. That's awesome. So, so that, that was a big boost to my mod kitty. 
<laughs> nice, I bet. So let's back up a little bit and start from the beginning. What made you want to get a mode in the first place? Sure. So uh, uh, we live in Vegas and we have three kids. And I had a big uh, Dodge Ram diesel truck and a big camper trailer that we used to go places as a family. Uh, I was involved in Boy Scouts and girls camps through our local church and things like that. And so it really made a lot of sense to have that big setup where I could carry a ton of gear. We could get all five of us and um, support family reunions and other things. But then mm -hmm. my two oldest are grown up and out of the house now. And we just have our 11-year-old at home. And so, and so the truck and the camper and everything was, it was just overkill. Mm -hmm. And so we started thinking, all right, we need, we need something different. Let's look at RVs as maybe a way to go. And I knew I didn't want the normal type of RV because I like going off-road and overlanding a bit. Right. And so we started researching and then uh, started looking at the different options. What I really wanted at the time was the Earth Roamer. Oh, what's an Earth Roamer? Earth Roamer is a tr is a Ford, like F four fifty based truck platform oh, with the camper shell. So instead of a, you know, a Mercedes Benz Sprinter chassis, it's a big diesel four wheel drive Ford truck, and they're unbelievable. They're great, but mm -hmm. they're half a million dollars. Right. That's, so that's a pretty penny right there. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. And uh, so I started, okay, let me, let me downsize my expectations here a little bit and started looking at the camper vans and uh, really started digging into those. And so I looked at all the options, right? Uh, I knew because of my overlanding and off-roading, I wanted four-wheel drive diesel. Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of limited it to, you know, something like the Revel, a custom build, or maybe the Sports Mobile, mm -hmm. uh, Sports Mobile. Yeah, is maybe the right that. way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I eliminated pretty quickly the custom route mm -hmm. simply Why's because, uh, yeah, I didn't want uh, for that uh, a, a couple reasons. One, I knew it would take a really long time uh, to purchase. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want to go through all the hassle of the design and the back and forth and waiting for a year and a half or whatever it would end up being. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I didn't like the idea of driving a one of a kind all over the place because I was worried about the reliability of that sort of oh, setup, right? Yeah, you know, breaks, I, how are you going to fix it? The breaks, how are you going to fix it? Who are you going to mm -hmm. call? Who can you ask? And, and when, when I saw the type of conversations that were going on in the rebel group where you have this huge community, huge community of people that all have the same basic van, mm -hmm. as soon as somebody has a problem. You know, there's 50 people that said, yep, happened to me. I know exactly what to do. Do this. And I saw value in that. Mm -hmm. uh, and also just warranties and being able to take it in for service at a dealership or something like that. I thought, okay, so the custom route's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And so I was really looking at the Revel primarily. And it was through the Revel Facebook group that I was introduced to Storyteller, to be honest. <laughs> that seems like how everyone, like nine out of 10 people find the Storyteller. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what kind of like commission that, uh, <laughs> that Winnebago needs to get from Storyteller, but I'm sure a I lot know, right? of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to bash on uh, the Revel too much, but. Anyways. No, I love it. The, no, the Revel, look, the Revel is great. And I mean, so many people are getting a ton of fun out of the Revel. It's a great match for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I was going to get a Revel. That's really what I was going to get. And it was, as I was uh, spending a lot of time on the Revel Facebook group, I was starting to become concerned about uh, what I was starting to perceive as 
kind of rampant quality issues that mm -hmm. were coming up as a regular topic. But again, I was blowing those off a bit because that's RVing, right? You, right. You, you take a house on washboard roads, things are going to break. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, I was really close to putting a deposit down when on one of the conversations, someone had asked in the Revel Facebook group, if you had it to do over again, what else would you have looked at? And immediately people started chiming in storyteller. And I was like, mm. I don't need, what's storyteller? So I went and I Googled that, uh, you know, got to the storyteller website and I thought, oh, okay, this is interesting. And so uh, spent some time understanding that and then joined the Facebook group that all the storyteller owners seem to be on mm -hmm. to start understanding their conversations and seeing what they're talking about. And it was a pretty different vibe. They were, uh, it was, it was pretty obvious to me that just in terms of the quality of materials and workmanship, that there was a difference, a big enough difference that it swayed my decision. And I decided okay. Storyteller was going to be right for me. That's awesome. So when you actually bought your mode used, <clears throat> um, was the warranty transferable or how did that yes. work? Yeah. Yep. That was okay. fine. I, I contacted okay. Storyteller said, Hey, I want to buy this VIN number. Mm -hmm. um, would the warranty be transferable? They said, yep, absolutely. No problem. We'll get you entered in the system so that you can use the app and Everything like they would have normally done if I had bought it from a dealer. So oh, that worked. Cool, cool. That worked out very easily. Oh, nice, awesome. So <clears throat> you got your mode, and then <clears throat> what did you decide to name your mode? Uh, my <clears throat> my daughter named it, and she said it, we should call it Zelda, mm. as in the video game Adventures of Zelda, because we were going to be having so many adventures in it. Nice. And so we've we've dubbed her Zelda, and uh, the, if you if you're a follower of the video game, there's a there's a standard insignia. It's called the Triforce. It's this collection of three triangles that is sort of the main icon of Zelda. Uh -huh. And so I went and got one of those vinyl uh, prints that I could attach to the back of the van. So everywhere we go, we've That's got awesome. our tri we've got our Triforce with us. <laughs> That's so cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so since you've had your mode, how many miles in have you roughly put on Zelda? So got it at the end of May and. Uh, so in the span of, I don't know, eight months or something like that, we've put over 23,000 miles on it. Wow. That's yeah, I have, I have been driving the wheels off that thing. So, I mean, I've already <laughs> done an A service and a B service. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. That is a lot. Um, I live in mine. I don't even have that many miles yet. <laughs> That's crazy. So out of all those miles, where have you been? So predominantly out here in the West. I okay. love the West, and there's so many places to go and so many things to see. Uh, it worked out that this last summer, my wife and, and our child, our 11-year-old, uh, they went to Korea for the summer. And so I found myself alone for the summer. And so I said, I'll just work and live in the van all summer long. And, nice. and so I did that all around the West. And so every time I'd go out, I'd go out for probably two or three weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. And I would, uh, I would decide a theme ahead of time for each trip. And so I wouldn't just randomly go and say, okay, this trip, I'm going to go do X, this trip, I'm going to go do Y. Mm -hmm. And so I'd go out on these themed trips and it, it would just take me all over the West. So one of the trips was uh, all about mods. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I need to get the suspension done. I need to get the skid plates. I need to get the lights. Mm -hmm. And so I found a, I deliberately didn't look for something close by. I looked for something <laughs> <Of course not. laughs> far away. Right. Right. And, and so my son lives in Portland, so I looked in the Pacific Northwest area for a shop, and I found one called Hazard Fab Works in Spokane Okay. that, that the Van Compass team recommended. Nice. And so uh, so for that trip, I, I worked my way through Death Valley, up the eastern Sierras, up through the Cascades, spent mm -hmm. a great weekend with my son in Portland. 
Oh, and then nice. and then worked my way over to Spokane to let them do all the mods to the van, and then came back down through the Bitterroots and Idaho and back home. It was a great trip. Oh. So that was the mods trip. Oh wow, that sounds so beautiful. Yeah. So what did you end up getting uh, suspension wise? So I got the Van Compass six point three. Okay. So that's with the lift, and uh, I got I was I think I was one of the very first to get the Falcon adjustable shocks. Before that, they were using Fox. Okay. And, uh, and then I got the agile, uh, leaf spring replacements in the rear versus the helper springs that are standard with the van compass setup. Okay. So you have a hybrid system then. I do. I do. I'm, I'm van compass in the front and agile in the back. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's like, that's like a suspension mullet, right? <laughs> I know. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so what other kind of mods have you done? So we did the suspension. I did all of the skid plates underneath because, again, I'm, I'm, I'm off-road a lot, kicking mm -hmm. up rock. Out here in the west, right, it's a lot of really rocky, loose gravel and things. And so you're flipping stuff up all the time. So I wanted to make sure mm. I had the bottom protected. Uh, that just comes from experience growing up in Arizona and, and being kind of a four-wheeler my whole life. I, you know, you get <laughs> one of those big rocks flipped up by a tire and oh, man. it's not good. Yeah. Uh, so did that. Uh, lights along the top, some big Baja lights out front, which are mm. incredibly helpful when you're trying to go find a spot for the night in the dark, in a place you're not familiar with, having those extra lights make mm. a big deal. Uh, I got the GLSS uh, set up in the back with the benches and the table. And how do you like that? Oh, I love it. Um, okay. I got it primarily, not because, we haven't really used it as a big dining area that much. Uh, mm -hmm. We usually use because there's just the three of us. We just do it up in, in front using the Groove Lounge and flip around one of the seats. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's great when I need to work at the Groove Lounge. My daughter needs to do schoolwork in the back. She can do that. Okay. Uh, she just set, she just sets it up as a day bed <laughs> oh, and then just awesome. sits there and does the work. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly, it I, in my early trips, I wasn't happy with my garage area being so cluttered and feeling like a garage area. Because mm -hmm. then, then it felt like there was the van that you live in and then just this place for all your junk. Right. And um, by having the GLSS in there, I could put stuff away in the benches, which kept me from having all these totes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it really cleaned things up and it made it feel like now the whole van was the living area. Okay. Versus having a living area up front and a big storage area in the back. Now it felt like the whole van was a living area. And so I, I really like that setup. So using that setup, you don't feel like you've lost, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't feel like you've lost storage space? No, I, I feel like I've gained it uh, in a couple of ways, right? So so one, not just the GLSS, but I also got the, the Van Wife shelf uh, mm. above the seats, mm -hmm. which... As far as bang for the buck mod goes, I think that's at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. It's easy. Anybody can put it in. And that added storage space that's so easily accessible is a big deal. Right. And so <laughs> between the shelf and the GLSS benches, and then uh, I got a, 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 a tote that I store up on the front runner mm -hmm. box on top, everything was put away now. Mm. And so... I don't have tons of totes all over the place stacking up and I can still that, that that middle aisle still fits totes. Those benches, you can still put totes on top of them. So you're not really losing space. You're just mm -hmm. organizing it in a cleaner way that makes it feel like the whole van is a living space, not living space and a bunch of totes. Gotcha. 
Yeah, it looks clean. I mean, I saw your pictures and everything. It looks really nice. So, but uh, so other, what other mods do you have other than those ones? I know you have a lot. Well, let me rephrase the question. Sure. What are your top three mods that you've done and why? The, the, the van wife shelf is at the top of the list. Okay. Simply because it was so easy and, and gives you so much value right out of the gate. Having that shelf to put all your, your soft things up there and mm -hmm. those privacy curtains. So I'm not stepping over stuff to put all the covers on all the windows and all that garbage anymore. You draw the curtains, mm -hmm. put down the crew lounge, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a big one. Um, the suspension for me in how I use the van mm -hmm. has got to be in my top three because the, the drivability on rougher roads is mm -hmm. through the roof and the stability at high speeds on freeways is so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, uh, I've been very happy with that. For and those then, that are looking, sorry to interrupt, for those no. that are looking to uh, upgrade their suspension, can you explain what you mean by it's so much better? Uh, without like getting mechanically scientific about it, just in <laughs> terms of how it feels, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, the stock ride, um, and, and I felt this immediately when I bought it and was driving it back from Texas, uh, you, you get a lot of sway, which mm -hmm. makes it feel like it's top heavy, even yeah. though it's not. And so, you know, coming out off camber, you know, out of a parking lot or, mm -hmm. or something, you know, the whole van would do one of these jobbies. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on the freeway, you know, uh, if you're on a two lane road and a big semi truck comes the other way, you feel it. Mm -hmm. Not to the point that it's dangerous or anything, but you'll be driving along and a semi truck comes and you're going to do one of these. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that wasn't going to work for me. And again, because of the off roading I did, I need a little more clearance and I needed a suspension that's better tuned for the weight of the van mm -hmm. and the type of driving you're doing. And so when you get that van compass set up, especially now with those adjustable Fox shocks, mm -hmm. uh, you can adjust the ride for off-road by softening the shocks. Okay. And you can adjust it for freeway driving by stiffening the shocks, which, which also helps when you're getting those big crosswinds and things as well. It just feels more secure and more stable uh, as you drive around. So that's have been ever, a big one. Have you ever tried to put it on the softest setting and drive on the freeway? Is I haven't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just would, curious if that would feel like a stock ride. You know what I mean? I, I think I, I think it might, but it might it might feel like those old kind of Cadillacs, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. that kind of floated along. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, woo, woo. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, like for example, you're going on those rough uh, washboard forest roads. Mm -hmm. You turn the sh shocks down to one, and then assuming you have an air compressor on board, you air down your tires to around you know twenty. 20 to 25 PSI. Mm -hmm. And it is a night and day difference mm -hmm. driving on those roads. No more of this, you know, rattling your teeth out. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's still, it's still a road and it's a little bumpy, but it smooths it out tremendously. Wow. And so, you know, if you're just going for a couple miles on a bumpy road, don't worry about it. It's fine. Take the bumps for a couple miles. You're okay. Mm -hmm. But if you're going 30, 40, 50 miles for hours mm -hmm. on those roads, man, you really get fatigued if you don't have a better ride. Right. I'm sure just, <laughs> just a couple of miles of doing that. I'm just like, enough. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so, um, before I interrupted you, what was your, um, third mod that you liked the best? 
trying to think because I've done so many. Um, <laughs> lighting would be a big one, to be honest. Yeah. I've got the, I've got two LP, Baja LP9s mounted mm-hmm. on the front. And when you're going to find a, a, a camping spot in an unfamiliar area, boondocking at night, mm-hmm. having that extra light really makes a big deal. And, and so that's been a big one. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't have lights, but that's my next upgrade because I remember mm. going on BLM land in the middle of the night and using the awning light to try to help find a spot. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give you, I'll give you a, a warning of that. So, uh, before I got all my lights, I, same thing. So on one of my trips, I went to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, which by the way, is a great place to go. So, um, and you know, after the call, I'll, I'll tell you where it's at, but there's okay. a section of forest road, uh, on the North Rim of the Grand Canyon where the campsites are literally on the rim of the Grand Canyon. Oh my and, goodness. And, and, and the North Rim of the Grand Canyon is all forested. It's not the, it's not the desert of the South Rim. It's a big mm-hmm. ponderosa pine forest. And so you can really just camp right there on the edge, open that sliding glass door and you're looking out across the Grand Canyon. Oh my goodness. How beautiful. It's spectacular. And the uh, place where I went, which I'll show you, I actually, with my, with my uh, cell phone booster mm-hmm. had a good enough signal that I could do my work. So I was able to work there for a couple of days. No was, way. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's legit. Oh my but goodness. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I, I'd been there before and I kind of knew where I was going, but I didn't know exactly. And I was going in at night. It was crazy dark. There was no moon. You couldn't see anything. And I generally knew where I was. And I'm like, okay, I know this is kind of close to where the rim is. And so I found a really great place to park right in this little grove of trees, you know, went to bed, woke up the next morning, opened the sliding door. And I'm literally like three or four feet from the edge. (gasps) Oh my God. (laughs) That's literally living on the edge. Oh my goodness. Holy cow. If you you go to my Instagram, you'll see it. I have a, I I, I used a drone to kind of go up and kind of show where I was uh, at and you can see it's like oh yeah he's like you oh know at night where you can't see a good four feet over and i would have done one of these jobs oh my goodness you know i've heard people like fall over the edge taking selfies at the grand canyon but never in a van <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. now now that section of the north rim is not so steep off it, oh, okay. but still i mean it's it's i mean it's it's over yeah you don't want to do it <laughs> no no <laughs> that's crazy so what are uh three mods that i don't want to say you found the most useless, but three mods that you would probably, if you could do it all over again, probably would think twice about. To be honest, I can't think of any that I would not do. Uh, okay. But, but, but some just ended up being a little harder to do than I thought. Mm-hmm. Such as? Uh, uh, one of them is the installing the bug screens. I mean, people these days don't, you know, they come with the bug screens in them these days, but for mm-hmm. some of us older folks, um, the bug screens are great, are you they talking about perfect. the stove factory ones or are you talking uh-huh. about uh, aftermarket? Okay. The stove factory ones. They fit great and they're, they're wonderful screens, mm-hmm. but, um, and you know, installing them, it's not that it was hard. It was just, it was a little more involved than I thought it would be. It's a lot of drilling holes and riveting and things mm-hmm. which are absolutely necessary to really secure it in there solid. Mm-hmm. But that ended up being kind of more work than I thought it would be. Mm. So again, would I not do it? Of course not. I would do it again every time, but mm-hmm. it was a little harder to do than I thought. Uh, and then if you go to my Instagram, uh, you'll see some pictures. I filled in the gaps on my front runner roof rack. Oh, yeah. And I so, saw 
so some of the older modes, like the 2020s, the, the, the rack on the front of the van has some gaps around the air vent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to fill those in so I'd have a nice, the whole thing would be flush, kind of like, like, like they do today when you buy them today in the 2021. Because then you can, you, know, you could sleep up there under the stars. You could set camping up chairs up there and not worry about you know, one leg slipping off and falling down in the crack. And so I thought, oh, that'll be easy. I just go to Front Runner's website. I buy extra things. I'll cut them to size. I'll just mm-hmm. screw them in. I thought it would be like an afternoon. It took me a couple weekends. It ended up being a lot harder to oh do than I thought. Oh, my gosh. Why? What happened? Well, I've got these big gorilla arms and hands, and those Front Runner racks are low enough that I can't fit my arm far enough in there to screw everything mm. because everything gets attached from beneath. Mm. That's what keeps it clean up top, right? There's no holes drilled in the top with screws or anything like that. It's all done from below. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I had my 10-year-old hands and arms, I probably could have done it. <laughs> uh, but so I had to, you know, undo the rack and lift it up. And then on the awning side, I had to undo the awning so that I could lift up the racks and I could get oh under there. Oh, my goodness. I see but, what you're saying now. Yeah. Super happy with the outcome. It yeah. looks spectacular. Yeah, it looks it looks really, really good. Yeah. Like when you posted that on the forum, I was like, whoa, what just yeah. happened? Yeah. <laughs> Great. And and you know, if, if I had a shop with a roof rack, a uh, roof crane that I could lift it up, it would have been easier to do. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm in my driveway, you know, with a ladder on the side of the van trying to do this. It, it ended oh, up being a little, little harder to do. Yeah. So what would be your third one then? That you would uh, reconsider. Reconsider. Well, I guess, you know, in all honesty, like you, people do mods, they want it for a reason. But I guess like if you had to prioritize mm. all of them, what would, you know, your last mod be in the process? Last mod. Gosh. Probably something that's just purely cosmetic or superfluous. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, I, I vinyl wrapped the hood and mm-hmm. um, I linexed the, you know, the mold panels to, mm-hmm. to give it a clean feel so probably the cosmetic stuff would be the stuff that you know yeah i like it because it looks good but is it really adding any value to what i'm doing or the experience probably not <laughs> oh oh two two other mods that i that i love oh okay. uh, both of them were done uh i'm trying to think yeah both of them were done at agile okay uh so i i got the the spare tank in the back the fuel the tank or fuel the water tank? tank? Okay. Fuel tank. Okay. So if you're someone like me who likes to go off the beaten path, mm-hmm. having that extra tank is a really big deal to allowing you to plan a route that doesn't force you to get back into a town that has gas. Right. Uh, and I replaced the um, the side steps with the amp power steps. Okay. I was going to so, ask you about that. How do you like those in regards oh, to... Oh, love them. I've, I've always done... Every off-road vehicle I've ever had, I've done that. Oh really? Okay. And and the and the reason's twofold. Right? One is slightly cosmetic. I think it looks cleaner not mm-hmm. seeing this big shelf sitting there on the outside of your van. Uh, but from a practicality standpoint, the the existing uh, run, running boards mm-hmm. are too close to the step that you're trying to step to. Right? There's only a couple inches differential between the running board and the next step into the van. Mm-hmm. So you end up having this big step from the ground to the running board. And then this tiny step up into the van. Right. When you when you have the amp steps, it splits the difference, and so now oh. it's a more comfortable, normal step in. Oh, and because okay. the amp steps come down, it's a bigger, wider platform to stand on. Mm-hmm. So you're not just standing on your toes; your whole feet are on there. 
Okay. And so I just think it's a better setup, both cosmetically and um, in terms of functional use. Does it um, does it do the same thing on the driver's side? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's both yeah. sides. It's okay. both sides. Are you ever concerned, like when you're off road, that um, you might scrape or bend bend them or? No, because they they tuck up underneath pretty tight. Oh, okay. So yeah. you don't need to get like extra protection, or you don't need to. Be no, because about... because it, to be honest, the the other components under your vans, like the gray water tank and and those other things, are lower than those sides. Mm, and I've okay. got skid plates on those. Okay. So I've got I've got the van cup of skid plates on all of that. So those would hit before those sides ever hit. Okay. So <laughs> since owning uh, Zelda since May, right? Um, yeah. What's the number one thing that has really surprised you about the mode? Uh, probably things that I didn't expect. And so my, my wife accuses me of having a catchphrase, which, which is try doing that in a regular RV. I say it all the time because I'll be in a situation and we'll do something and I'll, and I'll, and I'll look at her and I'll give her the wink and yeah, see that? Try doing that in a regular RV. And, uh, and so, so one of them is the, the size and form factor allows you to park in a regular parking spot, mm-hmm. allows you to pull a U-turn in the middle of a road, allows you to get into an off-road place where you realize, oh, I shouldn't go any further. I need to turn around. You can actually turn around. Nice. Right? And so, uh, you know, I've even gone through drive throughs as long as they don't have the overhang. Yeah. You know, I could drive through a Wendy's in the van. Right? And so <laughs> that sounds like a really dumb sort of trivial thing, but it's the kind of thing that has ended up, I've recognized being such a big deal mm-hmm. that I no longer have earth roamer envy because I recognize, even though that earth roamer is pretty unbelievable, mm-hmm. it's still a pretty big vehicle. You're not pulling a U-turn in the middle of the road. You're not mm-hmm. going into a regular parking spot, you know? And, and, and so the, the freedom of movement and the places you can get into with mm-hmm. that smaller form factor, ended up being uh, a, a benefit that I didn't anticipate. Nice. This will sound silly, but what I love about uh, living and camping in the van, it reminds me of being a little kid and living in a fort. <laughs> That's you a good know, way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> you know, you would build those little you know, blanket forts or something like that, and you'd have that little space, and you would camp out there overnight. It mm-hmm. sort of rekindles that sense of adventure that you get as a kid going out in, in a fort. You lay that groove lounge down out in the middle of the forest somewhere, crack the windows open, you get that mountain breeze. It feels like you're a little kid in a fort. And so <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Now that you mention it, I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about your mods and like the places you've done and like what you like about and the mod yeah. and, or excuse me, what you like about the mode and whatnot. Um, for those people that are just looking around and seeing what's going on, do you have any um, tips, tricks? Um, do you have any advice that you would give to them when purchasing a mode? I think when you're when you're considering the purchase initially, right? Um, do spend a lot of time on these Facebook groups to get a good feeling of what the user experience really is like, because mm-hmm. you're getting this isn't getting filtered through some marketing program. This is real people using the van. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, day in and day out and telling you what they love, what, what they struggle with. You can really get a good feel for uh, the van that way, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a good idea, if you can, to go rent. I know there's different options to go rent, either a Storyteller or a Revel or a custom van. Um, and, and 
take it out for a weekend, take it out on a trip, get an idea of, you know, does this really match my needs? Like I thought it would, mm-hmm. if, if you're really having that sort of purchasing anxiety, because either you're new to it or you're really not sure that's the best way to go really figure out for sure. Yeah, is this right for you? That's good advice. So we talked about a bunch of stuff that you really love about the mode. Let's talk about some things that let's just say if you were the key designer for storyteller, mm. what are three things that you would change and why? I think, and none of these are bad things. They're just things that I think could be improved. Like, uh, that, that, that whole shelf above the, the shelf of the curtains, mm-hmm. that should just be standard. It's such a great, um, add on that, uh, not having that is, is, is a little bit of a glaring gap, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would add that. Now, I don't know that th- this is me personally, so I don't know that this would apply to the whole storyteller overland community, right. but I think I would rather not have the power awning and have a manual awning instead. Mm. And I, I say that. that, I say that because it, I mean, it's nice that you can push the button and the thing comes out and goes back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but awnings that are not powered just have a little crank. You just crank it and it comes out pretty easy and it cranks back in. Mm-hmm. The benefit of the non-powered awnings is that you can actually have uh, poles that you secure into the ground mm-hmm. or you secure into the side of the van. Mm-hmm. And I'm so nervous about a wind gust coming by and flipping that awning up when it's out. I know it has a wind sensor and that's supposed to work, but you know, I'm up in these mountain canyons and stuff where a big gust of wind can come down that canyon unannounced at any mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And so having that awning out and a big gust of wind coming by makes me unbelievably nervous. So I don't end up using it as much as I should. Mm. If I had an awning that I could pull out and secure to the side of the van or secure to the ground, I think um, A, would give you better coverage because usually mm-hmm. those can go out further. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy accessories that give you other uh, extensions to make the awning even bigger or like a big, uh, you know, wind block area as well. Mm-hmm. And so I would rather have the non-power version of like a Fionma awning mm. that would give me less wind anxiety, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Every time I put mine out, I'm just like, ah, is it going to yeah. break today? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, the other thing would maybe be, uh, more side and rear lighting, mm. you know, to your point, when you're getting into a place at night, Mm-hmm. it's not just seeing forward that's helpful. You want to really see behind you and to the sides. Right. And so having some lights up on the front runner rack that you could flip from inside mm-hmm. would be very helpful as sort of a standard part of the design. That being said, I mean, the, the design thinking that went into the storyteller is really spectacular. The, the, the groove lounge, the way that they've set up um, the back garage area mm-hmm. and I, and not for nothing, but, that battery system is to die for. Oh, I know. It's the best. I mean, I've told people a lot of times, I'm like, to be honest, I bought a battery and a van came with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a great way of putting it. Exactly. I mean, not having to have a generator and cans of gas and start it up and turn it off. I mean, I can't tell you how different my usage is by having that big lithium system in there and nobody matches that today. Yeah. Nobody. Um, Oh, I was going to ask you, do you do a lot of cooking in your van in Zelda? I, I, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Um, what do we you do use? a lot of, so I bought the Magna cooktop set that, okay. um, I, 
You can get it from Camping World. I I might have got it from Amazon, but it's an, it's an induction cooktop set. Okay. You know, so it's got fry pans and um, saucepans and things like that. Uh, our family eats a lot of Korean food, mm-hmm. a lot. And Korean food is very amenable to that sort of setup because usually it's just this big pot of stew and then a bunch of side dishes that you just keep in the fridge. Nice. And so do a lot of that. Um, I haven't ha- felt the need to have a separate cooktop or anything. Everything okay. I've ever needed to do, I've just done from the induction cooktop. And again, because of the battery, got a coffee maker that you just plug in with a normal 110 plug, bring a coffee mm-hmm. maker. Got a hot pot to get boiling water to do stuff, plug mm-hmm. it in. Yeah, you don't have to go start a generator. You don't got to, you know, no. plug it in, use it. You're good to go. Yeah, and you still have like tons of battery life left. Tons of battery life. <laughs> so um, since you mentioned that you've been um, in the 4x4 world or been doing 4 by 4 for a while, mm. uh, in regards to the Mercedes chassis, what are a couple of things that you would want to see redesigned? I mean, the most obvious is the one that everyone's talking about right now, which is the power steering uh, mm-hmm. fluid setup that I think Mercedes uh, has a bit of a flawed design there, which can make it prone to your, uh, you know, if you don't have it secured properly, your power steering fluid can leak out all over the place, which is a real bummer. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's roadside repairable. It's not something that should cause you to go, get towed or anything as long as you, you know, I've got uh, hose clamps and power steering <laughs> fluid in the van just in case, yeah. right? I've gone and had the recall performed. And so it's all to spec, but still it makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did do a very good job on that. Uh, I, I think it could be more robust electronically, meaning that they've done such a great job putting all the bells and whistles into it, you know, the radar cruise control and, mm-hmm. uh, and the traction control and all of those things. But it, I think uh, the trade-off for that is that, you know, a controller or a sensor goes down and you're a little bit more grounded than maybe you would be something else. Mm. Um, is that prevalent enough to really make you worry? I don't think so. It's pretty par for the road in any platform and any vehicle these days. Mm-hmm. But uh, when, when you consider they didn't make the chassis to be an off-roading overlander, it's meant to be a cargo van. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Touche. It's, it's, it's a little unfair of me to expect that they would have earth rover level robustness. Right. Right. And, and you know, if you need that level of robustness, go buy an earth rover. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go get a second mortgage and try to buy it. <laughs> you know, go cash out your 401k and get an earth rover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a totally valid point. And I think a lot of people, see the thing or see the label as four by four and they expect it to be just like a, you know, a Chevy or Ford, you know, heavy duty four by four. And it, yeah, and it probably, I mean, you're right. It is, it isn't, it's not designed to be that way. So look, you're, you're not going to go rock crawling in this thing. You're not going to take this thing on, although some people do on really rough roads, but you know, forest roads, BLM roads, you get, you know, snowy roads, Knock yourself out. You're going to do that stuff all day, and it's going to be great, right? Yeah. And so, so, so that's um, I know other things are nitpicky. Like it drives me crazy that Apple CarPlay doesn't fill up the whole screen. Me too. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it's like why we have the same what? OCD. It <laughs> <laughs> makes me nuts. Oh, and, and the other thing, and uh, I, I posted pictures of it. Your rear wheel well, right? Mm-hmm. is the same color as the rest of the paint of your van. And so usually wheel wells are black. Mm-hmm. 
right? And from a so from a sight picture standpoint, it bothers me that my wheel well has this uh, you know gray panel in there. So I went and I <laughs> spray painted that black. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. And I like to end every podcast with the same question. And that is, what does it mean for you to be part of Stone Nation community? Uh, it it kind of goes along with those unexpected benefits that make it better than you thought it was going to be, which is uh, the, the community of uh, owners are so helpful. They really are. Right. Everyone wants to share what they're doing, where they're going, um, let them know what trouble they're having and how to get around it, how to fix it. And uh, there's a lot of times where you get these big communities and you get and they're clearly more experienced than you. And you're afraid to ask a question because you'll get dumped on or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll, you'll, you'll feel stupid. But I, I don't get that sense ever. Right. People ask very simple newbie questions all the time and everyone's willing to jump in and say, oh, hey, no problem. Do a search, you'll find the answer or, you know, here's, here's my opinion. And that level of camaraderie and helpfulness mm-hmm. has been uh, um, a benefit that you can't really quantify. And I don't think you get that same level of uh, help or support if you have a one of a kind right. or, you know, if you're out doing it yourself. And so, again, when I think about unexpected benefits or features of the platform, that mm-hmm. has to be one of them. And, um I think, and the and, and the other one, and I know this doesn't. This is getting off of your question a little bit. Uh, the the level of customer service and support that storyteller provides mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, if you have time, I, I can share a story. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Uh, so this was on the Headwaters trip mm-hmm. that I that I had planned out. So I planned a trip where I would start in Moab at the confluence of the Colorado and Green. Mm-hmm. And then I would work my way to the headwaters of the Colorado up near Rocky Mountain National Park and then work my way to the headwaters of the Green over in the Wind River Range. So big, you know, three week long. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome trip. <laughs> Very first morning in Moab, I hit my water pump switch. Water starts pouring out from underneath oh, wow. the, the, you know, the induction cooktop area. Oh, whoa. Okay. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Turn on. And, and I go and it's not coming from the sink of the faucet. It's coming from somewhere up, like behind the microwave in the huh. wall. Okay, that's like, weird. Yeah, weird. And how am I going to figure this out? And so I got on the phone. I got on the app. I scheduled a call for like an hour later. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody showed up to the call. And I thought, well, that's typical. Isn't this like your normal <laughs> customer service? Right. That's exactly what you would expect. So I wasn't that mad because I yeah. assumed it, right? <laughs> but I mean, literally like, you know, 10 minutes later, I got a direct phone call to myself. And, um, it was, you know, a service technician from storyteller said, Hey, sorry, I wasn't able to log on at the time, mm. you know, but your phone number was in there. So what do you got going on? And I explained the situation and, and he was puzzled because there's no connections back there. There's nowhere where pipes would connect together where you could spring a link. It's yeah. just pipes back there. And there's not a good way to get back there. There's not like a simple panel you could pull off to reach in there. And so he was really puzzled and. And he said, well, well, where are you? I said, I'm in Moab. He says, well, where are you going? I said, I was planning on getting, getting to Denver by tomorrow. And he says, well, I'm in Denver. Can you come now, hmm. today? I said, heck yeah. I'll drive <laughs> straight to you, right? Yeah. And I'm going that way anyways. What's, what's another day, right? Yeah. And so I, I drove to his house 
Wow. And he spent the entire afternoon figuring this out and fixing it. He had to make a couple trips to Home Depot to get supplies to to do it between, you know, the tools he had, the tools that he had to get. Mm -hmm. And he had me on the road, you know, by Friday night. I'm sure I screwed up his weekend. I'm sure that, you know, that was not how he was planning on spending his Friday. Mm -hmm. But he knew I had a problem. He wanted to help me get it done. Oh, wow. Never felt, never made me feel like I was putting him out, like I was you know, like I was interrupting his life and then he, I really went above and beyond. Now, unbelievable. Have you ever had an experience like that anywhere in your life where you call customer support, they immediately answer, and then they move heaven and earth to go help you get that thing resolved and get you back on your way? I've never experienced that. Yeah, that's insane. I don't, and to get that in an RV industry, that's- Come on. (laughs) That's impossible. Now, now, I know the people back at Storyteller right now are freaking out because it's not fair to expect them to do that. I don't, I don't share this story because you should expect that level of service. It just worked out that way, mm-hmm. but their service is great. Their customer service, but that's just an example of, to your point, I can't imagine any other RV brand or community where the manufacturer would say, come to my house, I'll get you on your way. Just because that was the only option, right? Yeah. Not, that's not a standard practice. Nobody should expect that. But even then, and as they get bigger and bigger, it's completely, it, it's it's unreasonable to expect that storyteller can can have Dan the man helping everybody within the uh, community. Oh, I know. I'm yeah. sure they've got to get you know five or ten Dan the mans over time. But that sealed the deal for me right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Is is like how could I ever? trust any other brand as a word of warning right mm-hmm. the, the reason this happened yeah i was gonna ask it, you what, what, what was the it, cause it, it's it has nothing to do with story this isn't a quality or design issue of storytelling uh it's, it's sort of user error but unexpected user error in the sense that i had i had purchased from storyteller you know, the, the galley organizer you know oh, that yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it just screws in using the existing screws for the plate that's under the microwave mm-hmm. and um when I got the the gallery and installed it, the screws that they provided were screws that I don't know, maybe inch and a half long. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you use those longer screws, they're long enough that they could go through that backboard mm-hmm. and just nick one of those water pipes oh. that are back there in the wall. Mm-hmm. And so you should actually reuse the existing screws that are shorter. Mm-hmm. And I think they, you know, as a result, swapped them out and they're not providing those longer screws. That's good. It's one of those things that I just happened to screw it right into place, right at an angle where it nicked the... Wow, that's crazy. Good old Dan the man. Dan the man. (laughs) Well, that's a great way to end the podcast. Again, Jason, I appreciate you coming on and telling telling us your stories and your mods and, you know, taking the time. Yeah, anytime. All right. Well, thanks. Take care. All right, thanks. Stonation is a production of Park Media. The executive producer is Young Wah Kim. The audio engineer is Stephen Grasso. The marketing director is Guillaume Golson. The original music and artists is done by Jason Walsmith. The sound designer is Lorenzo Interiano. And the assistant sound designer is Peng Shu. Without any of these people, this podcast couldn't happen, so a big, huge thank you. And a big, huge thank you to you, the listener. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a five-star review. 
This is Young Wawa Stone Nation, and I can't wait to share the road with you.